Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. God bless you and thank you for joining in. Today we are reading again in the book of Romans and we are making progress. We're going to attempt today, it may be a two-parter lesson, we don't know, but we will attempt today to look at Romans chapter 14. And I want to cover verses 1 through 13 because it's all dealing with the same topic and the same overarching theme. So we'll see how far we can get in this particular episode, and we may complete it in this episode, or it may be a two-part episode. We shall see. But I want us to begin by reading this section of Scripture. Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 13. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes that he may eat all things, But he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For... We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another any more. But rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. Paul is giving some instruction here on a particular topic, and he quotes Isaiah in that passage, which is also referenced and repeated in Philippians chapter 2, about every knee bowing to the Lord and every tongue confessing that Jesus is Lord. So Paul is dealing here with one particular topic, and that is this, Christian growth and how we are to receive each other. And I'd like to basically call this episode, To Each His Own. 
you may have heard the phrase, to each his own. And it's really referring to individuals making their own choices about certain things, having their own particular preferences, and having liberty and freedom to make those choices. That's in essence what Paul is talking about here. So let's understand what he is and is not saying. He has already established prior in the chapters beforehand about justification by faith alone, that there's only one way and it is through Jesus Christ. True, sincere faith in Jesus Christ is the only way anyone can be saved and born again. He's established that. He's already established the way a Christian is to live, the kind of lifestyle that a Christian is to live as holy to the Lord, shunning the things of evil and choosing rather to be alive to God, reckoning themselves dead to sin and alive to God. He dealt with that and he told us that we can't do it ourselves, but we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's also dealt in the section nine through chapters nine through 11 about us being one body, both Jewish believers and Gentile believers now made into one body. So we recognize the foundation he's already laid about Christian living and about each and every one of us being believers together, grafted into one olive tree, one body in Jesus Christ. And yet we are many members. And so he's now expounding in chapters 12 through 16 on how that plays out in daily life and in corporate life as a body of believers. So in this section, he is not contradicting the foundation he's already laid. In other words, he is not saying that you can just make up your own mind about everything. That's not what he's saying. He's already established the basics and the doctrinal foundation that all believers must agree to. There's a phrase that I can't remember exactly who it's attributed to, but it is fairly well known in Christianity. And it goes something like this, in the essentials, unity. In other words, every single Christian must agree on the things that are basic and foundational to the Christian faith. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus Christ and him alone, he died on the cross for our sin and his blood alone paid for the debt of our sin. And there's no works we can do to earn any form of salvation or brownie points with God. It is all based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ and him alone and what he did on the cross of Calvary and that God raised him from the dead, accepting that payment in full as the once-for-all sacrifice for our sins, and that Jesus, the living Son of God, the risen Son of God, had now ascended to heaven and is at the right hand of God, and that he is coming back. These are foundational truths, and in the essentials, there must be unity. However, the phrase continues and it says, in the non-essentials, liberty. 
In other words, things that pertain to our daily life. Paul gives us two examples right here. He uses examples of food and what we choose and choose not to eat, what we believe is safe and, and healthy to eat or, or not, and days of the weeks, or even perhaps the festivals might be included in that. Observing particular days versus someone who believes all the days you know, are the same, and we, we just need to honor God in every day. So he gives us two examples here of what he's talking about in terms of what we would call non-essentials. And in the non-essentials, every believer must have liberty. And we're going to talk about why that's true in a moment. But the phrase continues and it ends with this. It says, in all things, charity or love. And Paul is bringing that out as well in the sense of not judging one another, not putting stumbling blocks in each, in each other's way and receiving each other. So let's look at some key points from what I've just read in Romans chapter 14 in these first 13 verses and see the beloved truth that we need to take away and understand from what Paul is saying here. So he's stressing individual choice and preference and the liberty for that, but he's also stressing the responsibility for each believer for their own and for each believer toward the other believers. So let's take this apart and look at it. He speaks about, first of all, he gives us these two primary examples that he uses as far as non-essentials that there's freedom in and there's growth in and how the rest of the body needs to accept these people. So he says, first of all, we got to receive everybody. We need to receive those who believe in Jesus Christ, even when they are weak, what Paul is calling here weak. But he says not to disputeful things. He's using two illustrations, eating of food here, because he says some believe they need anything, the whole buffet if they wanted to. When they go to a buffet place, they need the whole thing. And others believe they should just eat vegetables, fruits, vegetables, etc., and have some form of maybe a restricted diet or what they believe to be a healthier diet. He's just using this as one example. The other is the day of the week. And I believe he's referring to here at least the Sabbath, particularly, and possibly even the other festivals as well. Because the Jews, the Jews that are believers, continue to meet, primarily, many of them do anyway, on the Sabbath, the actual Jewish Sabbath, which begins on our calendar on Friday night through Saturday. And yet most Gentile believers typically accept Sunday as the Sabbath day, the day of rest, the day to worship the Lord, etc. And many call it the Lord's Day, although that's not what the scriptures declare it to be necessarily. But we typically use Sunday because Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day of the week. So for the most part, Christians have held that to be the special day of the week, so to speak. And some, he says, you know, they could take their Sabbath and their day of rest any time of the week. And I find that to be true, especially for those that are involved in the ministry. 
of the Lord, perhaps, because in a sense, if they are preaching and so forth and conducting services on Sunday, for instance, then that's truly not a rest day for them. It's a work day for them. So there, there's freedom in that. Paul's point here is he's using these as illustrations of things that we are not to divide over, but we are to each make our own convictions with God before the Lord through the leading of the Spirit of God. And then everyone else is to accept one another with our varying convictions. So Paul now is giving us instructions to all the believers and to each of the Christians individually. He tells the whole body, he says, receive each one of these, whether they are weak or whether they are strong, whether they believe like you do or whether they don't, in the non-essentials. That's what the key is. Remember that. And so he says you need to receive them and count them as brothers and sisters in Christ. He says not to doubtful disputes and and arguments and so forth over doubtful things. In other words, do not force others to adopt and accept your own personal convictions, nor are we to engage in arguments and disputes over those things? We're not to be debating one another in the things that the scripture is not clear on. These words about these disputes over doubtful things is talking about discussions or estimations or judgments or thoughts as to what one might seek to understand and consider within himself. In other words, your own personal opinion. You don't have the right, and I don't have the right, to force that upon somebody else and to say, well, I think the scripture means this, and so you got to believe like I believe kind of deal. That's what he's talking about here. No, you know, he gives gives these examples here about the food and the days of the week and festivals, etc. There are also several other things. We can think of several that the scriptures give us principles on, give us guidance on, and give us direction on, but not necessarily say, yay, do this, and no, don't do this. Each person must make their own conviction about the non-essentials of the faith. Let's just throw out a few things that some could fall into this category and believe that these would fall as non-essentials. For instance, who you're going to marry, for one thing. I mean, the Bible doesn't say, Susie Q, you're going to marry, you know, Jeff over here, so to speak, or whatever, but it gives you guidance about marriage. It gives you guidance about forming covenant and who to make covenant with and who not to, etc., For instance, drinking of alcohol. Some believe that you don't touch it at all. Now, that is my personal conviction also. I believe the scriptures are very clear, and this is not just my belief. This is found in the scriptures in several places. Drunkenness is a sin before God. Drunkenness is wrong, period. The scriptures are very clear on that. 
But whether you can drink any alcohol or not is where people differ. Now, I have the conviction that you don't drink anything, and then you don't ever have to worry about drunkenness. But some people believe they can have a glass of wine at dinner, or perhaps if they observe the festivals and, and they have the glass of wine, the kiddish cup, cup etc. Some drink grape juice, some drink wine. I can't judge them, and no one else can. Each one must make our own decisions based on the scriptures, and we'll talk about how to do that in a moment. Entertainment is another one. Some believe you don't go to movies at all. Some believe you don't go to certain types of movies, for instance, and this is just one form of entertainment. This could apply to, to YouTube videos. It could apply to anything nowadays, video games, etc. There needs to be standards, but each person must make their own determination as to what they will and won't do and the reasons behind those. And this is where each person has their own conviction. Specific jobs or financial decisions might be another one that we can differ on in this non-essential category. And a big one, especially today as we draw closer and closer to the return of the Lord, is end-time prophecies and the understanding of things. The rapture of the church, for instance, that's a biggie, and people disagree. I have a particular belief on that, and others have some. Some have the same belief I do. Some have differing beliefs. I cannot judge them and say they're not believers in the Lord, and they can't do the same with me. So there are things that are non-essentials. Now, the scriptures clearly tell us many things about the coming of the Lord, and we do base our beliefs on the word of God. But in that, there are differing opinions about when or how some of those things are going to happen. And so we cannot judge one another. We must receive each other and don't force our own personal convictions. These are examples of just some things that each person must decide. And so the responsibility lies with each individual Christian. And I want us to look at a couple of other places in scripture that help us in regard to how we need to apply and obey these instructions from Paul. The first place I wanna look at is found in 2 Timothy chapter two, and we're going to begin reading in verse 14. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Now, Paul is writing these instructional words to young Timothy, who is his son in the faith, he calls him. And he says, don't be striving over words to no profit. Don't be ruining people because you're so dogmatic about your opinions. Continuing on, verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means rightly discerning it, studying the whole of scripture, and then coming to your convictions about some of these things based on what the scripture says, being a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, 
because you're not falling into the trap of all of these arguments and disputes and debates, but you are basing your life and your beliefs in these non-essential areas on what the Word of God says, and it is your authority. He continues on and he says, But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection's already passed. In other words, the people that were going to be raised from the dead have already been raised, and there's no more resurrection. That's what he's saying here. And they overthrow the faith of some because of their babblings, because of their disputes and debates. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So he's telling young Timothy that one of the ways that that you need to protect yourself and not be drawn into disputes and debates about things, but form solid convictions. And the source of that is to be based on the Word of God, studying the Word so that you are rightly dividing and you are making your determination whether it's about alcohol, whether it's about end times, whether it's about what foods you want to eat or what day of the week you want to take as your day of rest. Study the scriptures and make your decision based on what the whole counsel of God tells you. Let the word be your final authority. And that's what he's saying to young Timothy here. Get into the word. Study the word for the answers don't take other people's opinions. Now, if you're a young Christian and you go to your pastor or your Bible study leader or whatever, and you want to talk about something, you want to discuss maybe a, an upcoming job possibility to them or financial decisions you need to make or you know whether you can have a glass of wine at dinner or whatever those things are, end time prophecies, etc., and you want to have a discussion and you want to get their opinion for consideration, that's a whole different story. But they, that person can't force you to take their opinion. They should never do that. There should not be debates about it, and it should not leave you confused. It should encourage you to go to the scriptures and find your answers there, because the word is our ultimate authority. I want to read a few verses, and I've read these several times in different episodes as we've gone through this book. I'm going to read them again because it's very important that we hear these words again and we take them seriously, especially today, because you can go online and you can find out all kinds of people with all kinds of opinions, and they're having all kinds of dreams and all kinds of prophetic words and all of this stuff, and we need to take this seriously this word of the Lord given through Isaiah and written and recorded in his book. It's found in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19 and 20. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter, 
And that would include some of these that are calling themselves Christian, but they're all looking to this new prophetic word or this new thought that I had or this new revelation or this new dream. What does God say? Continuing on in the reading, should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony. In other words, you go to the word of God. You go to the scriptures. That's what he's saying here. God is saying, come to my word. The answers you need are in my word. The principles that you need to base your decisions on are in my word. Go to the law and to the testimony. And he talks about them and he says, if they do not speak according to this word, this book, the Bible, the scriptures, it is because there is no light in them. Don't try to find your answers from other people and their opinions and their convictions. You go to the scriptures, study the word of God, and then certainly other people can help you in your journey, but you don't take their own personal convictions by yourself. And every person that has our own personal convictions, which we believe are based on the scriptures, when they are in reference to non-essentials, we cannot force them on other people and expect them to honor those things necessarily. We can help one another. We can help encourage one another. And we should, because there is a place for teaching the younger brothers and sisters in the Lord and helping them grow up in the faith. Yes, but when it comes to the non-essentials and debating them and all of that, Paul says, no, have no part in that. And he told Timothy the same thing. So we are to study the word of God and we will find our answers and our wisdom for basing convictions and beliefs on in the scriptures. Then, based on the Holy Spirit's leading and understanding as he guides us and as he leads us into all truth, which is one of the things Jesus said he will do, then we determine those convictions on the non-essential things of the Christian life. I want to read you a few other scriptures and focus on a few last things as we begin to draw down to a close. In 2 Peter chapter 1, I want to read verses 10 and 11. This, these verses come right after Peter has also already told us about in essence, so to speak, a staircase of growth. He's given us things, he says, to add to your faith this, and then to add to that this, and then to add to that this. So it's, he's talking in this whole section about Christian growth, individuals growing in the Lord. And he says in verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Now, he's not saying just, Think anything you want to about anything because he's tied it to this section where he just told them how to grow as a Christian. Now listen to this. He says, be diligent to make your call and election sure, but then he ties it back to what he just told them. For if you do these things, what things? The things he just recorded in verse five through nine. If you do these things, you will never stumble. 
For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's given us guidance here. He says, you've got to make your own decisions about some things, but make sure you build it on this foundation. You start with your faith and then you add to your faith this, and then you add to that the next thing, and then you keep on adding. And that's how you grow as a strong and healthy Christian. So he's concurring with Paul that each has to study, each needs to have diligence. That's the responsibility of every Christian at whatever stage of growth they are at. Now, we'll just mention to you, if you'd like to look it up, you can. There is in my archives on these channels a message titled Stages of Christian Growth. And you should be able to find that if you'd like to look at that, if you'd like to listen to that and find out a little bit more. Now, Paul, back in Romans chapter 14, Paul also not just addresses the individual Christian about these things, but he's also addressing the body of Christ and the responsibility of all of the brothers and sisters to each individual believer, especially in reference to those who may have the differing opinions and differing convictions and beliefs about these non-essentials. So what does he say? He's talking about, remember, he's already told us we're all grafted into one olive tree. We're all into one body, though we are many members. And each one has different functions, but also each one has different convictions about non-essential things in the faith. And he says, first of all, notice in verse 3 of chapter 14 of Romans, where Paul says, for God has received him. In other words, at whatever stage a brand new believer is, or a mature believer, it doesn't matter, God is the one that accepts them wherever they are, and he is also the one growing them up. If you'll notice a little bit later on, he says, indeed, he will be made to stand for God, who's the one working in him, is able to make him stand. In other words, God is at work in every believer, and God is able to grow them to the place where they need to be, no matter what stage they're at right now. He also says no one is to judge another in these non-essentials, because God is the one that's called each and every one of us. He's the master that every person is serving. Paul Brett makes that very clear about each one standing or falling before his own master. And it's the master who gets to make the decision. It's the master who decides. It's the master that causes each one to grow and change appropriately. You know, God works on each and every one of us, and it's kind of like that peeling the onion one layer at a time. And so God is continually working on those who are his. Paul's already told us when we read in Timothy, the Lord knows those who are his. And so he's the one that is doing the work and making the decisions. Paul tells us that each one is living to the Lord. Wherever you're at, whatever stage of Christian growth, your life is dedicated to the Lord. You are living to please the Lord. You are living for his glory. You are living out of love for him. You are living as a member of his bride. 
a member of his body. You are living for his purposes and for his will. You are living because you love him and you're in a relationship with him. Hallelujah. And he says that whether we live or even in our death, through our death, both our life and our death belong to the Lord. We are his. In other words, we are his here on this life when we're living through this and walking on this earth. And we are his when he receives us into glory after we cross the door of death. We're his, period, for eternity. Praise be to God. He also tells us that each and every one will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is the Bema seat of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to get into mentioning too much about that here. There is an entire teaching, a series of many lessons that I did where we went in depth about what the Bema seat of Jesus Christ is. And so I would direct you to that series. It is in the archives. It is called Beaming at the Bema. Beaming at the Bema. And I encourage you to check that out. And we go thoroughly through the scriptures to fully explain and help every Christian understand what that is and what it is not. So I would encourage you to look that up. But his point here is that every person, every Christian, no matter what stage we're at, we will appear before the Lord. We will give an account to the Lord for our decisions, for our life, for our choices, and for our work and our fruit that we've been able to bring to him, the work we've done for him. And you can, like I said, look that up and find out more information. So Paul ends this passage with these understandings, and I want us to close with just a few final verses and thoughts. This is what he's, in essence, the theme of what he's trying to get across in this section. And I want to read verses 12 through 13 of Romans chapter 14 first, because this is how Paul is kind of addressing this and summarizing this section for us. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. In other words, we are not to make other people stumble. We are not to mislead them. We are not to be judgmental and critical of them, making them feel like they are not good or they are not a Christian or they're not strong enough or they're not holy enough or any of those things that we can cause other people to stumble by. When they truly believe in Jesus, they've already gone through all of this first part of Romans. They've met all those qualifications, and now they're living out the life in these non-essential things, trying to study the Word of God and make their determinations based on that as the Holy Spirit is working in their life to grow them up as a Christian. We cannot come in with judgmentalism, criticalness. We cannot lead them and, and try to put them into some legalistic bondage, nor can we lead them into any licentiousness, this loosey-goosey, anything-goes kind of deal, or any form of deception. That's the body's responsibility. That's all of our responsibility 
to one another. And that's what Paul is saying. Now, I was going to read this, but I don't really have time for the sake of time. I won't read it, but I will mention it to you. I want you to be directed to Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 14, and see how Jesus takes this seriously. And he's talking in there about how important it is that we do not mislead even one person. He says, not even one of these little ones, if you mislead them, if you mistreat them, if you deceive them and cause them to stumble, Jesus said, it would be better for a millstone to be put around your neck and you cast into the sea and sink and drown in the sea than for you to do that to one person. So we've got to take this seriously. And I want to close with this final short verse. And it's found in the book of 3 John. It's the third epistle of John. And it's verse 6. John writes, Who have borne witness of your love before the church, if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. That's our responsibility. And John is also concurring with what Paul is saying here. We've got to take it seriously, receive one another, and help each other grow in the Lord, and send one another forward on their journey in a manner that's worthy of God, that concurs with His Word, that's in obedience to Him, and that's helping people to grow as a healthy disciple of Jesus Christ. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.